Welcome to It's a Single Mom Thing, the show for single moms by single moms. This is Sherry, your host, and I am happy you are here today. Remember, it's a single mom thing and not the single thing that stops you. As a solo mama, you know what it's like to create a new normal and grieve the loss of the old all at the same time. It's like some kind of special solo mom power we didn't know we had, especially post-COVID-19. Am I right? We were stretched to the limit like Elastigirl from The Incredibles. We had no support of a second parent and had to find our bounce back as we were forced out of the workplace due to the lack of childcare. Finding ourselves in a financial pinch, working from home, and with school now in our home. Talk about spinning some plates and some kind of crazy. Nevertheless, though, as solo mamas, we are resilient and robust. Even if we don't always feel that way, we somehow made it work. But how is it working for your kiddos? Welcome back to another episode of It's a Single Mom Thing. So today, we're going to get a little serious up in here because our kids seriously need our help. As we were once kids, we know all too well, if our parents didn't help us, we found help in all the wrong places and faces. So we ain't going to let our babies go there, girls. So today, we are going to talk about helping our kiddos manage their difficult emotions. The 2022 Trends Report from the American Psychological Association reports... Children's mental health is in crisis as pandemic stressors continue. The demand for psychological services are at all-time highs, especially among children. While some children benefited from the changes like remote learning, others are facing a mental health crisis. This is what was reported in January of earlier this year. Now, ladies, although we may have been able to establish some kind of new normal out of what certainly was not normal, our kids will never know the normal we once had. Not only are our kiddos dealing with the stress from divorce and a broken home, but they're also dealing with the stress from a broken education system that is divorcing them from the values that we certainly don't teach in our homes, or even the stress of doing school and home and not interacting with their peer group. Now listen, I am not going all political here. I am just pointing out the struggles that are real for them so we can point our babies back in the right direction. Our kids are dealing with difficult stuff and can easily stuff their emotions if they aren't being taught some stuff, girl. So how can we help our children process difficult emotions during these unprecedented and unpredictable times? So let's start first by going a little sci-fi, taking a look at the underlying science of emotions. Some of you may be familiar with the movie Inside Out, which takes place in the head of an 11-year-old girl named Riley with five emotions, joy, sadness, anger, fear, and disgust. These emotional characters help Riley navigate her world. While some creative liberties were taken, the film's fundamental messages about the emotions are consistent with scientific research. While in the movie they highlighted five emotions, there are actually eight primary built-in emotions. Anger, sadness, fear, joy, interest, surprise, disgust, and shame. 
Then, and who knew it, there are even secondary emotions that are linked to these eight primary emotions and reflect our emotional reaction to a specific feeling or feelings. These secondary emotions or responses are learned from our experiences. Now I do realize I probably just blew your mind and you may be having a mental breakdown trying to understand what I just said. So let's work with an example. For instance, a child who has been punished because of a supermarket meltdown might feel anxious the next time she gets angry. Or on the other hand, a child who has been ridiculed for expressing fear might feel shame the next time he gets scared. So I think that is a hold up moment right there. Like, hold up mamas, do you see how we react to our kids' emotion has a direct impact on the development of their emotional intelligence? Now, I bet you didn't know that, and that's a yes, girl, because I bet some of you may be thinking, only I wish my parents knew that. I wouldn't be such a hot mess. But this ain't about you. This is about your baby. So let's focus here, mama. So here's a little homeschooling we could do to build up their value. Social researcher Brene Brown says, language is a handle. Naming the experience and feeling does not give it power. It gives you power. So we can actually teach kids to identify their feelings by giving them tools that help them explain how they feel. So let's get a grip on what that looks like. Handling emotions by age. And we're going to start with two ideas for toddlers. If you're the mom of a toddler girl, you know how strong toddler emotions are. At that age, toddlers are just starting to understand that certain emotions are associated with certain situations, which means you can help them get a grip on their emotions. And that's a faux real. By the time children turn two, they can adopt strategies to deal with difficult emotions, like distancing themselves from things that upset them. I think there's something for me to learn in that too. What about you? So how do you get a grip? Number one, be an I spy, taking time to observe other people's emotions. Become an emotions detective with your toddler. Be on the lookout for people and watch how they respond in different situations. Then do a little name that tune by naming their emotions. For example, if you see a cartoon that's laughing, Stop and say, oh, look, that mouse looks so happy. Follow up with, well, how do you look when you're happy? I know it seems silly because as women, we are so complex, but we need to break it down to the basics for our kids. Every day is an opportunity to provide all kinds of occasions to talk to kids about emotions. He sure looks angry. Well, why do you think he looks so sad? I don't know, make a funny out of it. Before you know it, they will spot it, got it. Number two, be a Dora the Explorer. Practice identifying emotions. So you could do that by making flashcards with faces and names of matching emotions. Ask your child to identify the feeling based on the face. Even make a game out of it and make two sets of the same card and play a game like the memory game and create your own memories out of this experience. When you get a match, you get to keep the emotion. And take it one step further and get outside your Cracker Jack box. You and your child make a face to match the emotion. I don't know, just do something different. Ask questions as you explore the emotions. This is your one excuse to go all drama and trauma up in here, so ladies, act it out. So ask your kids, when you look sad, how do you feel inside? 
If your child can't answer it, it's okay. You can share with them how you feel inside when you feel sad. And it might go like, well, sometimes when I feel sad, I just need to cry. It's okay to cry when you feel sad. And it's okay to tell mommy too. We need each other here. Another great question to ask is, when do you feel sad? Or maybe what makes you feel sad? If things turn silly, girl, that is so okay. In the toddler phase, you're merely showing your child that your emotions have names and you are a safe person to talk to about their feelings. Okay, so now that we've just stepped out of the terrible twos, I'm going to ask that we take a little break for a second. I want you to bring your head up above water, come up for some air, maybe take a big stretch. Get up and walk around the room because we still have two more age groups to talk about. And this is a lot of information and inspiration we're covering, but our babies are worth it. But I'm just saying a mama may want to climb some monkey bars after this topic today. So if you're with me, I'm just going to give you a few seconds to just chillax, and then we're going to finish this thing. Okay, so are you with me? So we're going to finish this with trigger points, a challenge for children. Now, kids experience many emotions during the childhood years, including many secondary emotions like we've discussed before, anger, anxiety, and shame. Now, do you remember those times? Just like when you were a kid, your kiddos are also looking for their feelings to either be validated or invalidated, influencing future emotional reactions, kind of like a chemistry experiment. At this point, emotional regulation, a.k.a. getting a grip, moves beyond simply naming and identifying to helping your kids identifying what triggers their emotions. Do you even know what triggers your emotions? So we need to switch it up with some different activities that can help your kiddos learn to identify what triggers his or her emotionally driven behaviors. Things like I don't know, an anger-anxiety diary that can help keep track of your child's behavior is useful in helping them better understand their response. Here are some things to observe as you help your child become a super sleuth and develop emotional intelligence. Exactly what happened? How do you feel? Rate your anger on a scale from 1 to 10. How did your body feel? Did you get a headache, a stomach ache? Did you get nervous or sweaty palms, heart racing? And what did you do? You see, your child can't learn how to effectively manage strong emotions if they do not understand where those emotions started. If they learn where it starts, they can stop it before it starts. So teaching them to identify triggers is a crucial phase in learning emotional intelligence and some higher education. From there, you can begin to help your child manage emotions with strategies. You see, when we teach kids that their emotions are valid and they are valid, we help them view what they feel as healthy and manageable. As women, don't we too want to be validated? So modeling appropriate behavior is also important during the childhood years. The best way to teach your child to react to anger appropriately is to show them how. Now, here's two tips for teens. The emotion centers of teen brains are developing rapidly in adolescence, along with a little toot, if you know what I mean, while impulse control is less developed. That's a shocker, right? (laughs) This combination inhibits many teens from the ability to using proper planning and judgment. 
Now, even without unusual circumstances and unprecedented times, teen girls face a higher risk of depression, while teen boys are likely to have an increase in risk-taking behavior. So what can you do to help your teen navigate these formative times in their life? Well, you certainly can look the other direction, or you can help them learn the skills to get through those sticky situations and come through it as a healthy young adult with few bumps in the road. So number one, keep it raw and real and plan time to talk. Teens want to talk about what's going on in their lives, but only with people that they trust and who will not judge or punish them. So you can set the stage by letting your teen know that you're available to listen and that you'll be there. Let them know that they're not going to face punishment if they come and talk to you about the tough stuff. Their mess can be your message to them of, I'm here for you and you can talk to me at any time. Right now, it's critical to build times around when you can have quality conversations with your preteen or your teens so they aren't isolating themselves. Now is the best time to discuss a safety plan of when you want them to text or call you if they get in a sticky situation. No questions asked. You know, girl, that the teen years are a time of peer pressure and experimentation. We have all been there, done that, and we certainly don't want our babies doing that. But if they do, they need to know that they can come to you, that you are their safe place. Maybe you can even establish a code word that they can text you if things are going a little sideways. Number two, provide grace-filled guidance. There is a lot of new territory to travel in the teen years. Romantic relationships begin, either their own or those of their friends. They could face heartbreak, having something hurtful said across social media, or having something else happen that has a more significant impact on them that they may not feel or they really feel that they can share. Mama, you were given a sixth sense and the teen years are the time to use that superpower. If you feel like something's going on with your teen, then go with that nut in your gut. Try to remember how hard it is to be a teenager and don't discount the influence you still have on their lives. Because listen, moms matter. They may listen to their friends a lot, but they will hear you. Take what they say seriously. Taking care not to brush it aside or as adolescent moodiness or young love is unimportant. Reserve judgment and assure that punishment doesn't get in the way of an open and trusting relationship. So there you have it. We went from two to teen in about 14 minutes. I don't know about you, girl, but I think I need to sit down and sip on some iced tea. I feel like I had my whole life just flash in front of me. But I hope that you did find this information and inspiration a little helpful and that you come back to this episode when you need it. Because, girl, you are going to need it. So remember, girl, one is a whole number. You are the one most important person and influence in your kiddo's life. What you do now counts and counts for eternity. Join me on Sunday for a special Mother's Day episode. You rock, girl, and you roll with managing those difficult emotions. Remember, it's a single mom thing and not the single thing that stops you. Thanks for listening to It's a Single Mom Thing. I hope you enjoyed our time together. If you have more questions on how to have a relationship with Jesus 
or need prayer, visit us at www.shepherdsvillage.com backslash prayer. For more information and resources, check out our show notes.